downright un-American. No patriot. I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something. It's all about the money. Anti-American. They want the money. It doesn't have anything to do with patriotism. Anti-American. Patriotism. Anti-American. They were like death. And un-American. Un-American. Somebody said treasonous. Yeah, just why not? It doesn't have anything to do with patriotism. Anti-American. They want the money. I'll tell you something. Anti-American. Un-American. I mean, they certainly didn't seem to love our country very much. Right, un-American. Welcome to another episode of Un-American, the show about turncoats, traitors, and treasonous, where no fraud or grifter is safe. I am Brandon, and I am joined today by Franklin and Jim. How are you doing today, Frank? I'm doing good now. I uh, The wintry mix that we got almost prevented me from getting here. Yeah, true. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know how this episode, or I didn't know if we were going to be in the same room tonight uh, just because cause it was pretty, it was like an ice skating rink out there. Yeah, Mother Nature yeah. is a bastard. What is happening to my computer over here? Making sounds in the background. Stop! Yeah, we just got interrupted by Microsoft having yeah. a stroke. Windows 11, man, update that shit. Yeah, and now then because we've said that down here in like or anywhere, like Facebook's gonna be like, "Do you need a new computer? Is that the problem?" <laughs> Fucking Facebook, not even open on this computer. You know, like I, I mean, I left work at 4:30 and the roads were decent. Like traffic was moving just fine. It was almost like it was a normal commute. See, and I would never have known that because, like, I work from this room, so my I was just like, I'm not fucking risking it. I will send somebody from DoorDash to get my shit today, <laughs> and I will just <laughs> the American way. Well. Yeah. Um, yeah, so how are you doing today, Jim? Uh, you know I'm Jimbo good. Slice? Since, since we had our last episode, uh, Jordan Bennington played a good game. Like he Blues actually, goalie for non-hockey fans out he there. Actually looks like, you know, back to his old self. He he looked good in the net. He wasn't over pushing or anything like that. Nice, he, nice. He made the saves that you need him to make. I so s- so hopefully we got him back. I saw your cousin uh, pick him up after like that one oh, good he game. He picked him up. I was oh, like, yeah. yeah, it might be. You might I be rushing, his his, rushing th- his third goalie is kind of crap. Yeah. So. Um, well, he's got Leonard in IR right now. So uh, yeah, that's yeah. True. So, um, yeah, but that's good. I'm always good when the Blues are doing well. Um, and, and, you know, can still feel confident, like, in the stretch down into the playoffs because we got a solid backup in Huso if Bennington even takes the starting role yeah, back. Right. Yeah, which is weird, too, because, like, Huso, so, Huso should have been the guy instead of Bennington. And yeah. he was injured when Bennington came up. Yeah, because Benny, we- Benny was the third string yeah. whenever – he came in and just caught absolute fire to take us all the way to the Stanley Cup. Yeah, yeah, that was nice. That was nice. I'm doing well today um, as well. Um, and I'll tell you why. Because, Frank, dude, good job, man. Like, I listened back to this the past episode, this last episode that we put out, the Rogan episode, and, like, I knew, like, I was having a blast while we were recording it. I was having, uh, a, like, it was, it was a lot of fun. But, like, man, you prepped that episode so well. You put, like, the way that that was edited together, the way, like, and maybe, like, maybe it's a lot of it is just, like, none of that. Be- you did all the heavy lifting. Like, I, I didn't th- have to do shit. I think that's why you shit. enjoyed it so much. Um, like, but it was fresh to you. You didn't have to, like, yeah. I will say edit when you edit it and then, like, present it and then 
like or you cut it, you present it, you edit it together, you release it. Like by the time, like by, I'm on my fifth listen, I'm like I'm over it now. Yeah, right. It's a great episode. Think, I'm proud of it, but I think it's a little a little more than that. It was awesome, man. It, yeah, it was it was Flowed very well. It was very we, good. We left. I hope everybody else left. <laughs> yeah, it was it was good, and we learned a bunch of shit, which is cool. Like as I was listening to it back, uh, I was like. Like, I I don't know. Just kudos to you. I think that you did a very good job prepping that episode. Oh, thank you. Um, I appreciate that. So that, that made me very, very happy to to listen back to. And I, you know, it was I hope I, I did as good a job tonight. Yeah. I kind of appreciate with the, the subject matter being like a soft toss into my wheelhouse. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just wait till next week, That is Jim. actually the hardest part about finding an episode because I find episodes, I'm like, I think this is hilarious, but it's not the right episode for Brandon and Jim. Yeah. Like, yeah, next week's episode, I picked one that like comes down both of your alleys. Yeah. And I'm very excited. Yeah, Perfect. I'm super stoked. I like if Frank keeps. Hopefully, uh, the weather plays ball for one week. Right. Yeah, <laughs> if if Frank keeps writing episodes this well, then Frank might become the permanent writer. Oh, a new job. <laughs> yeah. Hey, buddy. Um, yeah, I, I uh, liked it a lot. Um, unfortunately, we did have to the episode we were going to record tonight. We're pushing back a week because events just happened today, yesterday. Yeah, shit started happening. Yeah, with Ukraine and Russia. True. So we decided to go. We decided to tee Tucker up for for our third it's swing here. Around, it's been a is while. It two or three. It's three. Three. Yeah. And it's been a while, but Tucker I feel like three. in between each installment, he comes back because he's, he's every he's two or three pinata. episodes, yeah. he, he pops up, doesn't he? Like oh yeah he's yeah. A, he's, oh, yeah. In, he's he's he, a main staple he's yeah. a recurring character yeah he's, he's our 100%. MVP of garbage <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's been on here a lot I, he he's our Ned Flanders <laughs> I feel like he's been, he's the most mentioned person out of all of our uh, of all of our like subjects that we've gone after oh probably easily he yeah. definitely reoccurs more than. I mean, I, I guess that's what you're gonna do when you are like a mainstay, like when when you've got like the ratings that he has, he comments on everything, so he's yeah, gonna I mean, be yeah. We we have a couple episodes without him, and then all of a sudden he'll just pop in like, "Hi, diddly ho, neighbor." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so Frank, uh, you did such a fantastic job, uh, at least in my opinion, with uh, with the last episode. Um, that I figured since we didn't know what we were gonna do today, we didn't know if we were gonna be in the same room because of the because of the winter conditions and whatnot. Um, we kind of pushed uh, the episode we were gonna do off to next week. Um, and so we're gonna do Tucker Carlson tonight, and Frank, I'm gonna let you take it away and host this one again. All right, so we're gonna be talking about an episode of Tucker Carlson tonight from uh, January twentieth, twenty twenty-two. So a little over a month ago at this point. Um, and the reason this is relevant is because Russia uh, did what we all knew they were gonna do: invaded Ukraine, a bunch of fighting, bunch of death there now. It's been all over the news the last two days. Mm-hmm. So I thought it'd be helpful to look at. Tucker's talking points when it comes before a month before it was because everyone knew it was going to happen. He was getting ahead of the story and he's kind of a trendsetter or at least a finger on the pulse guy in the right. Yeah. He's going to bring up the defense that is most commonly used and disseminated. He's capable of starting shit. Right. Yeah. He's the beginning of the echo chamber. He's the one that shouts yeah. echo. Yeah. Um, but before we get into it earnestly, I'm going to give you, I'm going to stick with your preference, Brandon, of starting with a Freudian slip, Freudian slip. Um, just imagine that Tucker is not self-aware and he doesn't realize he's talking about himself here. That ought to worry you, though, because they may be pathetic. They're also very powerful. Yep. Yeah. What? Fair. He's uh, talking about uh, people here calling jokers like people on the left. Yeah. And how you should just, uh, yeah, we want to laugh at them, but you should be paying attention because they're very dangerous. Okay. Inadvertently, he ends up sense. describing himself and the power of Fox News to a T. Yeah, pretty much. 
Um, which is always, but like, that's always the, the issue, right? Is that like the, you guys have too much reach for being as stupid as you are and as dangerous as you are and as harmful as you are. Like you should be a, a little niche fringe group. You over shouldn't here. be allowed like, to call yourself news. No. That's not what you are yeah. by and large. There's very little actual news reporting going on at Fox. I love that those guys too, like Tucker Carlson, like yell about the mainstream media. And I know I've probably drilled this point to home uh, too many times, but like, because Fox has more higher ratings than any other, like, right? Fuck that's are you talking about dangerous. mainstream media? Right. Like, that's you. Well, we'll get into some more of that in a little bit, but we're gonna go ahead and let Tucker introduce us to his show and his charismatic style of somehow having a bunch of energy but being fucking bland. Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson. Tonight, there's nothing more tiresome or predictable than a cable news host who makes the show about himself. Hold on. That should have been the Freudian <laughs> slip, Frank. Like, sorry for pausing it. I can't because it goes so well with what's about <laughs> like, to happen. Holy shit. You didn't even let him get to his killer joke. What you don't know about Tucker is <laughs> Tucker could have been a stand-up man. <laughs> listen right. to this. Listen to his chops. I'm going to disagree with you just on the premise that any right-wing person could be a comedian. <laughs> You're not wrong. There's nothing more tiresome or predictable than a cable news host who makes the show about himself. Narcissism is to TV people at black long is to coal miners, and we do our best to avoid catching it. But tonight, we're going to break our rule and tell you about something pretty interesting that happened to this show a couple of days ago. On Tuesday, we did a segment about the nation of Ukraine. Now, Ukraine may be a perfectly nice place to visit, but you wouldn't think it would get a lot of attention from a superpower like this one. Ukraine's a pretty small country, really. It's in Eastern Europe. It's 5,000 miles from Washington. It's got a population about the size of the state of California. So hugely significant? Not really. And yet we never seem to stop talking about Ukraine. What? Yeah. <laughs> so like, what so exactly prob- is he trying to say? It's pro- well, he, well, he'll get to it in a minute because this is just teeing, teeing him up to bring up old grievances about Ukraine. So you know fucking Hunter's right around the corner. <laughs> God damn it. But, like, <laughs> that, that blandness if about, it like, for that cocaine incident. Um, so we're going to get into this since Tucker brought it up. Why are we so obsessed with Ukraine? So let's read about, like, why isn't Ukraine important? That's something I would think a news person would be interested in answering, you know? Like, instead of just bringing up the question and being like, ah, who knows, fuck it. Well, at least Rogan has a podcast and he'll just ask right. some questions. <laughs> so this is from ABC News. Uh, why Americans should care about the Ukraine-Russia conflict, February 20th, 2022. To understand the United States' vested interest in the conflict, you have to go back to the Cold War. Craig Albert, an associate professor of political science and the director of the Intelligence and Security Studies in Augusta University, told the, uh, ABC News. To counter Soviet aggression in Europe, the U.S. helped form the Security Alliance NATO, or the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, in 1949. In the years since, NATO has expanded several times, including adding three former Soviet republics. I'm not even going to read the rest of this because that's pretty much obvious that that's why Ukraine is important. Because it's a former block of the Soviet Union. Right. And it's that domino effect theory of, like, if they keep going, they're not going to stop. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, like, for Tucker to— So, like, it's, it's the same thing— with like Dagestan, like it was its own country shortly after the fall of the Soviet Republic, and then now it's part of Russia again. Yeah, and has been for I don't know, like a decade. Isn't uh, Ukraine also has like shit ton of uranium, right? And yeah, isn't, and like that's that's one of Vladimir Putin's yeah, interests. It's, it's, in yeah, the, the resources you're going to get out of it are right. definitely important. Yeah, then it's also very strategic. It does share a border, and you know it. It's a gateway to Europe, essentially, for Russia. Yeah. Um, so we're going to go ahead. We know Hunter's coming up, so we're going to go ahead and let 
Tucker just blow his wide about what he's really interested in. <laughs> Yay. As the vice president of the United States, Joe Biden himself spent an enormous amount of his time meddling in the internal affairs of Ukraine. And because of his influence in that country, his son Hunter got a job at a Ukrainian company and got rich from that. Then Donald Trump was impeached for speaking on the phone to an official from, yes, Ukraine. And now, as of tonight, we're moving closer to a war over Ukraine. In the coming days, Russia may violate Ukraine's eastern border. And this, we are told, cannot stand. In Washington, the territorial integrity of the United States means precisely nothing. Walls are racist. We're a nation of immigrants. But the territorial integrity of Ukraine, that is something we must fight for. Okay. First Immigration all, the, the, like, and a ground war are two very different thank things. Thank you. That yeah. is the that is the you thesis of tonight is that this is Tucker Carlson's false equivalency. Yeah. Also, like let's talk about Tucker Carlson's uh, ability to just like completely gloss over whitewash why the shit out of yeah. Trump uh, got impeached. Trump got impeached for because he call. because he talked to a Ukrainian official. Trump got impeached because he blackmailed the fucking president of the Ukraine. Tried to. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Very a little sloppily. more than just a phone call. Yeah. yeah. Hey, they were just they just were just dig up dirt on my political hey, enemy during doing? an election year. <laughs> you know anything about Hunter? Like So we're uh I we've gone over this extensively in the other podcast, so I just wanted to get bare bones this. Brandy, do you want to read the, just straight from Wikipedia a little summary of Hunter and Joe Biden's involvement with Ukraine. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, the conspiracy theory alleges that then-Vice President Biden withheld loan guarantees to pressure Ukraine into firing a prosecutor to prevent a corruption investigation into Burisma and to protect his son. Although the United States did withhold government aid to pressure Ukraine into removing the prosecutor, this was the official and bipartisan policy of the federal government of the United States, which, along with the European Union, the World Bank, and the International Monetary Fund, believed the prosecutor to be corrupt and ineffective and too lenient in investigating companies and oligarchs, including Burisma and its owner. Yeah, so it's bullshit. He's just yeah. lying. And he's also glossing over, like you said, Brandon, well, Trump's, he, what Trump really got in trouble for, really got impeached for. Yeah, and he's not just lying. He's like he's pimping the the conspiracy theory, right? Yeah, like, Spygate. The, yeah, yeah, that's that's all he's doing. Why is it? Why have we gotten to an era where like the biggest export from the United States is conspiracies now? Like yeah, we don't right? do shit, but it's, it's except because make shit up. It's because the right really don't have any values anymore. Their value is knee jerk reaction. When someone says Ukraine, every Republican or Trump supporter in this country thinks like Trump, cover up, Trump, witch hunt. Tr you know, like I don't, I don't want to place the blame solely at Trump's feet, but he really changed the game in the sense that like. It's not even that they don't have values. Like, their only value is pwn the libs. And the GOP was still shitty and racist and fucked and elitist when it was the Mitt Romney GOP four years earlier. But, like, Trump really changed it into, like, let's just disregard everything except if the liberals hate it, we should be for it. Yeah. Well, you know the, what liberals fucking hate? Fascism. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, so it puts you in some weird... You, you end up making stra strange bedfellows with a lot of people, like... Putin and Russia. I remember when that was an every American value to hate fascism. Yeah, that's right. kind of what it, And now there's a party that's like, we are anti-anti-fascist. What? Yeah. <laughs> that's a that's a weird platform to fucking run on. Yeah. Uh, Jim, you said something a little bit ago. You, you caught exactly what 
Tucker was doing in the fact that he's making a false equivalency between people fleeing their country and, and trying to immigrate to another country and a, breaching someone's borders for war to take them over. It's two very different things. Watch as a remarkably broad spectrum of political figures appear on all three cable networks to explain that if Russians cross the Ukrainian border in an undocumented caravan, we have the moral obligation to use force immediately. We will move more NATO assets closer to Russia, not further away, yeah. uh, if they once again bring war to Ukraine. It's just not going to be that simple. I think we should be doing a lot more and we, we shouldn't be just considering a diplomatic track. There needs to be clear consequences for what they do because we failed to deter and now you're inviting conflict. It's a, it's a, it's a very bad situation and we've, and we've left ourselves without many options as a result. I don't think we're providing the deterrence necessary to stop Putin from invading Ukraine, the breadbasket of Russia. And it's time for the Biden White House to start speaking more clearly and more aggressively and telling us how they're going to stop this invasion from happening. So, yeah, so he's... I, I don't know what else to say, too. He... He, First of all, those clips he played don't sound all that crazy. Those are pretty common sense things. The last one, not, it, the last the, one sounds out. None there of a them bit. really line up with what Tucker said. Tucker yeah. said that Russians are going to caravan across the Ukraine border. That's yeah, not. He's trying to portray this as like, not, look, Russians just dude, want to go into Ukraine. They're, they're, they're not, not immigrating. They're not immigrating. They don't want to go there and live. It's, it's a military maneuver across the border yeah. with weapons. When when the caravan comes from uh, wherever South America to America. They don't come here with the idea that they're bringing their government. And they're not an organized military. No. They're not all wearing a uniform and carrying they're guns. Not, yeah, they literally, and we'll get into why they even get into caravans in a little bit. Um, actually, Brent, well, let's get into it now. Jim, you want to read uh, this article from Vox? Yeah. Over the past decade, there's been a rise in number of, a, un, of unaccompanied children and families crossing the U.S.-Mexico border. Increasingly, they are fleeing violence, insecurity, coming from northern the northern triangle of Central America, Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador. Meanwhile, unauthorized border crossings of single adults, Mexicans, and people looking for seasonal work have greatly declined. Under, U, under current U.S. and international law, asylum seekers from Central America are allowed to apply for asylum in either Mexico or in the U.S. Many take the first option. Asylum applications in Mexico have gone up, up more than 1,000% since 2013 and most are citizens of Northern Triangle countries. But applying for asylum in Mexico isn't a walk in the park. Mexico has been accused of indiscriminate long-term detention of asylum seekers, exacerbated by a two-year backlog of processing applications, and in some parts of Mexico aren't, er, and some parts of Mexico aren't safe for people who are already fleeing violence. For some Central Americans, the solution to this problem is hypervisibility, traveling out in the open as part of a large group of people that can't simply be grabbed or disappeared. That's the reason small human rights organizations have gotten people together on occasion in caravans and in the appeal to hundreds or thousands of migrants who've joined them in trying to get to the U.S. Yeah, they, they don't get into caravans as some kind of attack position. They do it because it's the safest way for them to travel. Yeah, right. Safety in numbers the, yeah. versus, you know, being kidnapped and ransomed. Yeah, it's, it's the fact that like they're a lot less likely to be kidnapped or murdered and killed when they're you know when they're a big group. <laughs> also, whenever you have mass migration from anywhere, like not to the United States, not from Central America, like in 
in during World War Two when like Poland was the first one to be attacked, right? Is yeah. That, that like so the Polish obviously started fleeing to neighboring countries, right? Yeah. Like there's a reason, and you have to look at the reason those people are fleeing in the first place. Like to to and not it's not to a underst- military movement, right? Well, it's yeah. not a well, military yeah. movement. Yes, to a, a true equivalency, if Tucker was being honest, would be if Putin was. People were fleeing Russia because of Putin, trying to go to Ukraine to live lives. Like that would be the yeah, only real equivalent. <laughs> but that's not what's happening, right? They're trying to go with guns and tanks and and fucking planes to take over and that's install a their own takeover. government. Yeah, and for it's just weird to see people who were are so anti-communist suddenly okay with fascism. And yeah, I don't know. The beast has been unleashed, man. I'm yeah, and you know what? It's all like, it's all because of RussiaGate. It's all because of the idea that Russia helped Trump win. They had from then like, on, Russia was a, an ally. Oh, they're all red in the face, but it's not the usual partisan chorus. This is the entire choir. You just saw representatives from every faction in Washington, from Adam Schiff to Dan Crenshaw, not as different as they seem, and all the dummies in between, and all of them are promoting war against Russia on behalf of our new and deeply beloved ally, the government of Ukraine. Vladimir Putin is our most dangerous enemy, they scream. We can't let him hurt Ukraine. So it turns out Russiagate was actually more effective even than we'd realized. The Steele dossier has been debunked, but in Washington, the theme remains in force. Russia, 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 Russia is bad. Russia is bad. What? Yeah. <laughs> I'm you want so to take confused. This? Yeah. These, these guys literally scream about socialism and Marxism and, I'm not, I'm and not, fucking. We're and, not going to get into the Steele dossier. We're not going to go that far back and deal into it. Some of the th- claims have been debunked. Some are still unverified. Yeah. I'm, I don't care either way. I personally way. believe the P-tape exists. Yep, and that is because your right. I, as an American, that is your a, right. There are people that believe the vaccine don't work, doesn't work. I believe like, that the P-tape exists. I've does, seen it. Does he know, does Tucker know that <laughs> that Putin used to be KGB? Right. Does and Tucker that, know that? We, that? Yeah. Tucker probably knows that. Trump probably doesn't know so that. So if Putin really had his way, it would be the Soviet Union, and he would be exploiting Ukraine and taking all of the goods out of Ukraine and bringing them into Moscow so him and his good buddies could have a good time yeah. while the rest of the Soviet Union sucked and people in Ukraine were starving to death so much so that they were eating their own children. Like, come yeah. on, man. Let's get into a little bit of the but history But Russia's of... not that bad. <laughs> uh, I got this from uh, History.com. How Crimea, Crimea's complex history with Russia dates back to the 19th century because this all goes back to Crimea in 2014 and, and when Russia first started yeah, making Crimea, moves. Yeah. That's when... That's when Ukraine really started seriously take, talking about joining NATO, and mm-hmm. that's when it started pissing off Putin because he d- doesn't want NATO to be up against Russia because it's really hard for them to get away with their fuckery when they're being watched. Right. Um, well, like, I just want to take a small yeah, caveat yeah. here. Like, I know we're going to refer to Russia as its own entity over and over again and talk about it, how it's bad, when it's not a full truth because the people of Russia right now, there's a boatload of people in Russia that are protesting what's going on, like, yeah. there's protesters in the streets of, of Moscow. Well, right yeah, now. and that's the way that it always would be. And that also, like, that for me, not maybe not for people listening, and so it's good that you clarify it, but for me, like, my problem is always going to be with the government, right? Like, yeah. I can't, I, like, even when we're looking at, when we're talking about places like Iraq or Afghanistan or fucking Palestine or Israel, like, I don't have a problem with the people of Israel. I have a huge ton of fucking problems with the government of Israel. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So, like, so, yeah, like, and that, like, I'm glad that you specify it because, uh, 
because I think it's worth noting just so that mistakes can't be made later and be like, well, clearly they fucking are anti-Semites like or whatever, you know, like, yeah, this Putin sucks. He wants to, he and, wants to and, make Russia back into the Soviet Union. Yeah. yeah. We actually points that I think would even argue take it back even further um, from this article from history.com. Uh, the Crimean Peninsula has loomed large for Russian leaders ever since the Russian uh, Tyrrhenian Catherine the Great annexed it from the Ottoman Empire in 1783. The strategically located peninsula, which is officially part of the Ukraine, has given Russia military leverage not only back in the Black Sea, but the greater uh, Mediterranean region. After the fall of the Soviet Union, a 1997 treaty with Ukraine allowed Russia to keep its Black Sea fleet um, under a lease that has been uh, extended until 2042. Wait, wait, wait. But their, their, their naval fleet is under a lease? It was under, yeah. <laughs> but in 2014, Russia seized Crimea from Ukraine in an illegal move that violated the territorial integrity of the, form the former Soviet Republic and sparked a war that has displaced nearly 2 million people and destroyed the country's infrastructure. President, uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin justified the aggression in part by asserting that Crimea is mostly comprised of ethnic Russians. Which, that is like saying that well, like do you thirty percent of thirty <laughs> percent of Texas is ethnically ethnically Mexican, and two hundred years ago it used to belong to Mexico. So what if they came and take it back? Right. Like, did, are they going to support that idea? That's the same principle. Yeah. Like. Yeah, it used to be a part of your empire. It's no longer anymore. Do you have the right to well, go like, take it back? I, I wonder how that happened. Probably because they held it for, like, what, 50 years? Right. So for, the, like, the, yeah, for especially for the Americans that support this stuff, like the Trump people, and I'll we'll talk later about Trump's recent comments because I know they happen after I wanna this episode. Make, but... I want to make a point that we're going to have to put a pin in. Uh, you know your military is an absolute shambles if – an entire naval fleet is under leased. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think to be fair, that was more of a thing well, of like, I, don't be aggressive. We'll let you keep some things here in the Black Sea. You can keep your interest, but you're not getting the country. How and then they just took the fucking country anyway. Like if somebody was to break the terms of that lease, that's like a catastrophic <laughs> fucking right. Event, oh, right? Jesus. Like, <laughs> it's maybe there should be like a, a group of countries Russian that keeps them in check. History. I don't know. I, I This whole episode, I find myself researching this episode, defending NATO, which I don't want to do. I don't like NATO. They're kind of assholes. They've led to a lot of bad shit. Now, they're not the fucking evil boogeyman that the right makes them out to be. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't like anybody in places of power, typically. Yeah, we're like, going to get... Just as a rule. Like, right. They, be they skeptical. Fuck, yeah, they fuck shit up. But also be skeptical of people who are making millions of dollars a year on the biggest show on TV who are telling you the media are the problem. Right. What is this about, exactly? Well, obviously, it's the usual collection of children falling for the usual collection of lies, but why this specific lie? On Tuesday, we tried to get to the bottom of this because it seems like it matters. We spoke to a man called Clint Ehrlich. As Ehrlich pointed out, there are a lot of factors here driving us toward war over Ukraine, but one of them, a, a central one, is NATO. So what is NATO, and what is the purpose of NATO since the fall of the Soviet Union 30 years ago that NATO was designed as a bulwark against? Well... No one can answer that question. Not one person. I can answer that question. <laughs> Thank you, Frank. I mean, Google can answer that question for you. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. A bunch of different people can answer that question. Don't be a fucking dipshit. Oh, my God. That's... Uh, I love the arrogance of, like, no one knows. You can't I tell me. I hate his... Like, presentation pisses me off so much. That, like, little, like, shit-eating grin, like, kind of plays dumb, but in an asshole way. Yeah. Like, I just... Uh, 
You can't give stupid, me a speeding man. ticket because my dad is the chief so of police. That's exactly that's who the he fucking is. mentality. Yep. yep. Only child. Here's, here's the biggest <laughs> reason that the right doesn't like NATO, and it's because NATO inherently will never have the interest of the United States in its sole purpose, because yeah. that's not what NATO is for. NATO is for like essentially world policing, like yeah, to stop aggression against the allies of Europe and the Americas. And that's what it started for. He brought up a point about, like, well, the Cold War is over. Why do we still have it? So this is from the Brookings Institute. Uh, NATO's purpose after the Cold War, March 19th, 2001. So what accounts for NATO's persistence? First, in the the immediate aftermath of Soviet imperial rule, few are ready to throw the alliance overboard. As former uh, British Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher remarked at the time, you do not cancel your home insurance policy just because there haven't been a few burglaries on your street in the last 12 months. The need to hedge against an uncertain future was reflected in the new Alliance Strategic Concept adopted in November 1991 by the NATO heads just days before the Soviet collapse. This concept pointedly noted that the need to preserve the strategic balance in Europe would remain one of NATO's four fundamental security tasks. So their purpose isn't over. Like, right. the Cold War went away. Russia didn't go away. The Those kind of leaders, they, I mean, they yeah. rebranded themselves. They, they claim that they're not what they were. But, like, Putin's in office for life now. Yeah. How is that a democracy? And he was the leader of the KGB. <laughs> like, yeah. Come on. <laughs> like, And routinely has reporters killed and his opponents jailed when they run against him and yeah, get any kind and of voting support. And people poisoned, like, continents away. Yeah. With ricin. <laughs> yeah. Fucking ridiculous. Yeah. So he brought up a name there, uh, Clint Elric, Elric, right? Ehrlich. Yeah. Ehrlich. Thank you. Clint Ehrlich. I didn't re- uh, realize who this guy was, so I had to go do some research. Do you guys want to read from BuzzFeed um, and clue us in on about the kind of expert they're bringing in to weigh in on Russia and the Ukraine? Yeah, I'll start this. Um so from BuzzFeed, this pro-Trump fact-checking website is run by an American in Russia, uh, January 24th, 2017. Um, an American working in Moscow is playing a key role in the effort to support President Donald Trump by, quote, fact-checking claims about Trump's alleged connections to Russia. Clint Elric is vi- is a visiting researcher at the Moscow State Institute of International Relations, that sounds above board. Yeah, uh, M G I M O. Anything with that many le- any uh, acronym with that many fucking letters can't yeah. be trusted. Nope. It, not unless it spells it's the like fucking ha- word. That's like having two first names, guys. Get it together. <laughs> yeah, uh, he gained attention in the U.S. election campaign for repeating Kremlin talking points in an opinion piece published in Foreign Policy that outlined the view that Hillary Clinton genuinely wanted to start a war with Russia. Now Elric is back. Domain registration records and document metadata show that he played a key role in creating both an anonymous website, factcheck.net, and a recent report it published claiming to reveal, quote, exclusive evidence that cast doubt on the recent highly publicized allegation that Donald Trump was compromised by Russia's foreign intelligence services, end quote. The factcheck.net report aimed to refute information contained in the dossier compiled by a former MI6 agent that U.S. intelligence used to brief Trump and then-President Barack Obama. Elric was critical of the decision to publish the dossier, which contains explosive but unverified claims about Trump and has been sending tweets that question some of the allegations in the document. Um, Similar repudiations are present in factcheck.net. 
factcheck.net's report. Yeah, so this guy has been early on um, pretty much a Russian stool. Yeah, uh, Russian it seems like, like it a crony. little bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's been pushing Russian talking points, like falsely claiming that Hillary Clinton is trying to push a war with Russia, which show me any evidence for that. Right. And what they're going to point to is her saying that them annexing Crimea and Ukraine might lead to war, which I guarantee you she probably has said, and is fucking true. Yeah, like, who hasn't said that? Yeah. Like... But to say that she wants somehow wants a war with Ukraine, like or with Russia, like a why, and then b prove it, like either one, like yeah, tell me a good reason why she'd want that, or like how she stands to profit from it. Yeah, uh, Jim, do you want to continue this article because we have a little bit more to go? Just because, like, I think it's telling the kind of uh, experts Fox thinks it's fit to have on. Yeah, when it launched, when it launched in January 2017, FedCheck.net claimed to be run by a group of experts working to expose the bogus claims about Mr. Trump and Russia's government. Nine days after announcing its presence on a bare-bones website with no identifying information, factchat.net published a PDF called Shower of Falsehoods that claimed, to be, that claimed to expose key inaccuracies in the Steele dossier. The resulting PDF cited no sources and said its authors are a collection of national se- or a coalition of national security professionals from the United States and Russia, who have joined forces to expose fake news. Our work is <laughs> a public service, which is not financed or directed by either state. That sounds like a load of shit. <laughs> sounds like exactly what one state would tell you to say. Yeah, holy damn, that's ridiculous. <laughs> All right, and. It, quote, I was the primary person involved in writing the content of the report, but the project was a collective effort that drew on the expertise of like-minded professionals, both for sourcing and analysis, unquote, Ehrlich said in an email to BuzzFeed News. Quote, some of these people work inside Russian's foreign ministry and or intelligence community. Oh, I bet they do. So, (laughs) not financed or directed by either state, but these people, some of these people work inside Russia's foreign ministry and/or intelligence community. Yeah. Hmm. You want to read this little last bit? Yeah. This is but funny to but me. the site was not created with was not created with the approval of anyone in Russia's government. That's his claim. I sincerely doubt that. Asked for the names of some of those who worked on the report with him, he said without elaborating that many of them worked with him inside the MGIMO. Ehrlich said that he would ask if they, if anyone were willing to speak to BuzzFeed directly, but added, your site does not have the best reputation in Russia. <laughs> Damn, that's ridiculous. Come on. In other words, I made the shit up. Yeah. I love the balls of him to be like, well, the you know, we have lots of people, U.S. and Russia. Like, And then when specifically pressed, he's like, well, a lot of, well, we have some people who work in the intelligence service of Russia. <laughs> that seems like a fucking, like they're running a scam. Not financed or directed by either state, but they work for the ministry and or intelligence community. Yeah. I like how there's an and, and or, or in there. Right. Like yeah. he doesn't quite know. Like this is just someone giving him a line of bullshit, right? Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. These are the Sounds kind of a lot fucking... like Alex Jones. Scott, he's so, got the documents, guys. When... It's like, who are your inside people? Some guys named Vladimir. <laughs> like, <laughs> so when Tucker. Bunch of Ivans and Vladimir. <laughs> when Tucker, in a minute, we'll start talking about. Um, because this whole thing is really about him. We, like, we'll get to that in a minute. But this, like, his whole point is that this is a manufactured crisis. And yet the same people who cooked up the Iraq war are now insisting that Ukraine must join NATO anyway. That would mean putting American military hardware right on Russia's border. And Russia doesn't want that any more than we would want Russian missiles in Tijuana. Hence the tension. 
Now, the irony, as Clint Ehrlich pointed out, is that NATO doesn't even want Ukraine to join. In other words, the whole thing is nuts. It serves no American interest whatsoever. It is yet another manufactured crisis, this one devised by restless, power-hungry neocons in Washington looking for another war. Well, hold on, because, like, he's partially right there, which sucks. Is he like, at war with the young Republican Party here? Is that what he's getting at? I don't, I, like, it, this hurts me to say. He's down-talking like, neocons. He's not wrong in the sense that, like, NATO is not interested in the Ukraine being a part of it. I'm just, and, I'm just like, curious. Well, I mean, we're like, going to read something. They're not, does, not, they're, they're not, it's not that they're not interested. They're kind of indifferent. It's it's baggage, you I'm know? curious right, if they join NATO, does that really mean that we have to put military assets in them? Because Poland, I mean, Poland is in NATO, right. and we don't have military assets in Poland. Well, right. and I think on paper, yes. In practice, in history, no. Like, we're supposed to. NATO does not always do that. Um, I think is the kind of the point. And there's plenty of things if you want to talk about, like we'll get into in a second about like fuck like how NATO is kind of an like a like I'm 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 genuinely curious on that because like, you know, Poland shares a border with Russia. I do not understand how that doesn't like Yeah. What what's going on here? Yeah. I the the problem I have though is that he then goes on to call it a manufactured crisis by Washington. It's like, well, no, it is a manufactured. It's your job to manufacture well, the crisis, Tucker. <laughs> yeah, and and now too, like I I get that we're in the future presently, um, from when this episode was recorded, but like it's not a manufactured crisis. Putin invaded, like that's not. Yeah, and also to say to have the gall to sit there and say that uh, this serves no American, uh. Purpose, you know, it doesn't do anything for America. Why are we doing this? We're doing this because of the Cold War we got ourselves into, which all leads back to World War II and the fact that we teamed up with Russia to take on the Nazis. Right? Like it's a basic history lesson, Tucker, that you you could spend your fucking huge platform getting into, but you won't. Right? No, because it's easier to just be fucking Barbie. Yeah, like and that's like and just, what he is. and just to say like, hey, this one guy who is like pretty much a stooge for Russia said that. NATO doesn't even want the Ukraine, so why are we even fighting about it? So we're going to get into uh, the relations between the Ukraine and NATO. Brandon, do you want to read this? Again, I just pulled from Wikipedia because, like, I'm if they're going to do this sloppy work and just saying shit and expecting people to believe them, I don't. I shouldn't have to go farther than an aggregator of sources to right. get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm fine with it. Um, okay, so relations between Ukraine and North Atlantic Treaty Organization (NATO) started in 1992. Ukraine applied to begin a NATO membership action plan uh, in 2008. Plans for NATO membership were shelved by Ukraine following the 2010 presidential election in which Viktor Yanukovych, Yanukovych, yeah, um, who preferred to keep the country non-aligned, was elected president. Amid the the, amid the Euro Maiden unrest. Uh, say it again. Yanukovych. Ben- Yanukovych. Yanukovych. Think, yeah. I'm not great with Russian names. Uh, fled Ukraine in February 2014. Um, the interim <laughs> government, which came to power initially, said, uh, with reference to the country's non-aligned status, that it had no plans to join NATO. However, following Russian military invasion in Ukraine and parliamentary elections of two- October 2014, the new government made joining NATO a priority. On February 21st, fe- on February 21st, 2019, the Constitution of Ukraine was amended. The norms on the norms on the strategic course of Ukraine for membership in the European 
European Union and NATO are enshrined in the preamble of basic law, three articles, and transitional provisions. Um, at the June 2021 Brussels summit, NATO leaders reiterated the decision taken at the 2008 uh, Bucharest summit that Ukraine would become a member of the alliance with the membership action plan. As an integral part of the process and Ukraine's right to determine its own future and foreign policy, of course, without outside interference. According to the polls conducted between 2005 and 2013, Ukrainian public support of NATO membership remained low. However, since since the Russo-Ukrainian War uh, and annexation of Crimea, public support of Ukrainian membership in NATO has risen greatly. Since June 2014, polls showed that about 50% of those asked supported Ukrainian NATO membership. Some 69% of Ukrainians want to join NATO, according to June 2017 poll by the Democratic Initiatives Foundation, compared to 28% support in 2012 when Yanukovych was in power. Yeah, so it's not as simple to say that like NATO doesn't want to be... doesn't want Ukraine or Ukraine doesn't want to be a part of NATO. There are a lot of geopolitical things going on over there and reasons why them joining is not so simple because it could lead to a war. But it's also the threat of them joining is kind of the thing weirdly kind of preventing a war. Yeah. Well, it's like if their hands are tied. If they join NATO, it looks as aggression (laughs) towards Russia. But if they don't join NATO... Then they have no support other than like and, handshake agreements. And you can if see that Rosa invades them, right. right? And that's why you can kind of see since 1992, the fall of the Soviet Union, uh, Ukraine didn't want to be part of NATO. They didn't want to push it. They didn't want to make anybody mad, step on any toes. And the support wasn't very high for them joining. So the presidents got elected based on like I will not let us get into NATO, right? But then they got ousted, and then. Russia started taking over places, and it looked like a possibility that they weren't going to be left alone, and support for joining NATO started to skyrocket. Yeah. Right. So basically, if they are a part of NATO, uh, they the Allies have to support them if they are invaded. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah, and honestly, we're going to support them, but we're, we're seeing sanctions now. Sanctions are just a wag of the finger. I mean, they like, are. Sanctions don't... Say, um, we well, put sanctions on like, countries as, all the fucking time. As of, like, the last two hours... A bunch of like worldwide powers have announced sanctions against Russia. I mean, that's like I'm Australia, not, uh, New Zealand. I'm a, not saying a bunch of countries. I'm not uh, saying Taiwan did, Japan did, China actually put sanctions on Russia. I'm if not, you can believe that, I'm not saying that they're pointless. I'm just saying that we've been putting sanctions on Russia for the last several years, and like, well, like we're at a point that's, of that's invasion. That's the way Russia has <laughs> so, lo- always looked at. What we do to them politically is just like a wag of the finger, mm-hmm. but yeah. like now it's got world support. Well, let's hope that that makes a difference because uh, avoiding I mean, World War I don't Three would think, be cool. I don't think it's gonna matter in Putin's mind. No, like he didn't not plan gonna, for this. It's definitely gonna matter in the rest of the Russian government that isn't in Putin's pocket, which isn't much of it. And right. then obviously all of the Russian people are gonna be like, "Hey, what the Fucked. fuck?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um. Yeah. So we're gonna get into this Clint Eldridge clip and like why he's even being brought <laughs> this up. This guy has three last relation. names: <laughs> Ehrlich, uh, Elric, uh, yeah. And what the what, hell what did you just call him? Eldridge. Eldridge. Eldridge? It's uh, it's Ehrlich. <laughs> Ehrlich. Sorry, I did not have my sheet in front of me. Clint. Uh, fuck, I hate that. Clint. 
Lars, Lars Ulrich. Yeah, like we've said his name <laughs> it's, it's once. Lars Ulrich. Correctly, <laughs> at least go. one time. He's about as big of a dickhead as <laughs> Here's part of what Clint Ehrlich told us. Here we have people who are arguing that even if the Russians don't uh, invade Ukraine, that we need to invade and kick the Russians out of Crimea. That was an op-ed from a senior Obama administration official this week. Uh, and so I would say that it's even simpler than that. We're dealing with our warmongers, unserious people whose policy prescriptions could have deadly serious consequences. The deeper irony is that NATO doesn't even want Ukraine, that it's a corrupt country, it's more of a liability than it would be a military asset. And the people who are pushing this simply argue that it needs to happen because Russia shouldn't have a veto over who's in NATO. In other words, even when it's in our mutual interest to not have a state in NATO, we have to insist that they'll be added just to spite the Russians. Well, that was an interesting conversation. Those seem like fair points. If they're wrong, go ahead and explain how they're wrong. We'll listen. Okay, hang on one second, Tucker. Wait, I'll get into this. Yeah, first of all, the onus is on you, like right. making the fucking claim. Also, the idea like that he's he's putting forward is like uh, Russia shouldn't be able to decide who joins NATO. That's not really it. What they're talking about is Russia should not be allowed to decide the future of any sovereign nation. Right? Like, they're their own nation. They have their own government. Russia right. shouldn't be involved with it. And the only reason they have to, they're even wanting to join NATO is because it's looking like a real possibility that Russia was going to take them over, which just fucking happened. Right. It, yeah. But they tried to. Yeah. So th- that, that quote he used, like, so this is from. It's not um, over yet, though. Yeah. No, no. I mean, it's just happening. Like, it's not 24 hours old at the time of recording. So, and it hasn't happened in in the timeline of this episode. Yeah, so this is from the NATO Security General uh, Jens Stolenberg. Um, ahead of the meetings of NATO Defense Ministries in Brussels, uh, February 16th of this year, 2022, uh, he said, uh, so my message is that this is uh, for 30 allies to decide. Russia is not deciding who's going to be a member of NATO or not. And this is a matter of principle that all I- allies have stated clearly again and again. And this is about... Re- and I'm jumping around a little bit, but uh, she said later on, and this is about respecting the right of every nation in Europe to choose their own path, whether or not they want to belong to an organization as NATO or whether they don't want to belong to NATO. So this is about, this goes beyond Ukraine. This is about Ukraine, but also about other sovereign nations in Europe and about the principle, the right for every nation to choose its own path. And these are the principles not only enshrined in the NATO Founding Act, but also enshrined in, for instance, the Helsinki Final Act, which are the principles that also Russia has enshrined. So this is about the right for every nation to choose its own path. I know that's like it's translated, but like mm-hmm. it's still that's the point. Like that is what they're saying. Should Russia be allowed to choose the future of Ukraine? Right. Which is no. Apparently, according to Tucker, <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. Um, Why do we even care? Yeah, Tucker doesn't make any fucking sense with this whole. All of, all that is is just a play from like it's a defense for Trump, right? Because like. Because we had questions about Russia as it related to Trump, and so now Tucker has to be pro-Russia, and like the right has to be pro-Russia. Just yeah, just weird, in, in childish defiance. To, yeah, it's, like, it's very weird. And then they yell about socialism. I, <laughs> and I it's got like, wait, what? I got a, uh, I got sent a clip from how is it Rocky Three when Rocky fights Ivan Drago. But I got sent a clip from one of my cousins, who is a, a big Trump head, that it was just like the scene when 
like Rocky and Ivan walk into the arena and then all of a sudden the Russian anthem starts playing and I'm like, so we're supporting Russia now? I'm really confused. <laughs> yeah, what is happening? They like strong men. That's it. And and Trump is the strongest man and Putin's a strong man and they and Trump had nice things to say about Putin. He's a paper tiger strong man. I mean yeah. look look the, at Trump. He's a he's a doughboy. <laughs> he's weaker than Rush Limbaugh ever was. Um, we're, we're getting into my favorite part of Tucker. We're, we're getting to the halfway point or rounding up on the end of the episode. We have a couple of clips left, but they're going to fly by. Tucker starts, he can't help himself. We've heard him do funny voices in the past. I was hoping that would make a return and oh boy, does it. But official Washington is done explaining anything as you may have noticed. So instead the very same foreign policy geniuses who brought slave markets to Libya went insane with rage. Not since we made fun of pregnant flight suits have they been this mad. Fox host unabashedly makes Putin's case, barked CNN's White House correspondent. Unabashedly shows how the disinformation successes of Russian intelligence extend way beyond Trump. Tucker's all in for Putin, noted Bill Crystal, <laughs> a man who couldn't even run a small circulation magazine, but imagines he should run our country's foreign policy. And then a former DNC contractor called Alexandra Chalupa announced that this show's opinions violated the law. This isn't journalism, she wrote. It, it's an ongoing FARA violation. Tucker Carlson needs to be prosecuted as an unregistered agent of the Russian Federation and treason under Article 3, Section 3, Clause 1 of the U.S. Constitution for aiding an enemy in hybrid warfare against the United States. A death penalty offense! What Alexandra Chalupa didn't mention, speaking of FARA violations, is that she herself has extensive personal ties to the Ukrainian government. In 2016, Chalupa contacted Ukraine's embassy looking for dirt on Donald Trump's presidential campaign. Now she says that anyone who doesn't believe Americans should die for Ukraine must be sent to prison. Okay, That's not right. what she said. Yes, yeah, at all. Right. Yeah, I was going to. What is he even rambling about? Also, he like, just likes to say Chalupa. <laughs> he said that she called she called Ukraine to dig up dirt where, on. Where did the yeah, Libyan trade? Where did the Libyan slave trade come in? I'm so confused. We'll get to that in a second, but go ahead, Brandon. Uh, she she made the point, or he made the point that she called the Ukraine to dig up dirt on Trump. But then earlier, the, at he the, glossed at the, over the Trump did the same the fucking Trump, thing. Yeah, like to dig up dirt on Hunter Biden. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. The, the like fucking, he made a phone call to a, a Ukrainian official. Yeah. What's the no, problem? A, a former DNC contractor made a phone call to Ukraine. Uh, she's a private around. citizen. He jumps around so much these yeah. days. I think oh, he's, the, I think he's losing fucking, his touch. Those voices. I are, really think he's losing his touch. I, the people that would find that crazy funny in ratings. a straight way. So like, he's just a hundred percent crazy, right? Yeah, yeah, I buy that. Like, like if I if I throw pins into opposite corners of the map every other second, people will just be like, "Hey, that's crazy enough." I believe it. Um, this is a little longer, but Jim, so we're gonna have to split this up. Jim, you brought up uh, where did the Libyan slave trade come from? This is one of the reasons why NATO isn't. There are legitimate reasons to be mad at NATO. This is also, like, at the start of the episode when I was like, Frank, you did a great job outlining blah, 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 blah. Like, Jim just asked that question off the top of his head. Yeah. The fuck Libya? And Frank's got notes. Good job, Frank. <laughs> so this is from FAIR.org. Uh, media erased NATO role in bringing slave markets to Libya from November 28th, 2017. Jim, do you want to start this, yep. and then I'll have uh, Brandon take over at a certain point just because it's super in, long. In March 2011, NATO launched a war in Libya expressly aimed at toppling the government of longtime leader Muammar Gaddafi. I, I just know him as Gaddafi. Yeah, I've never I just, heard just, his first name. I never had either. 
It's like Muammar, 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 Muammar Gaddafi. The U.S. and its allies flew some twenty-six thousand sorties. Which I think is a a, a, like a deployment, like a, a shipload or what? I don't know exactly. <laughs> Tell someone, someone from Boston says Saudi. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> sorties. <laughs> <laughs> the U.S. and its allies flew some twenty-six thousand sorties over Libya and launched hundreds of cruise missiles, destroying the government's ability to resist rebel forces. The war ended in October 2011. U.S. and European aircraft attacked Gaddafi's convoy, and he was brutally murdered by extremist rebels, sodomized with a bayonet. Yeah, that's uh, a fun fact. Could have just said yep. brutally murdered by extremist rebels. Yeah. Not, didn't have to add the dash. This we, next sentence, uh, we dash, all watched the, the video. I mean, to be fair, Gaddafi was not a great man either, but yeah. No, Gaddafi got, Gaddafi got his. Could, yeah. you, could you imagine if TikTok was around whenever the Gaddafi uh, no, challenge was around? No, the Gaddafi challenge? Yeah, it was uh, like people's people taking a random object in their house and like sticking it against their taint and being like, yeah. Gaddafi! <laughs> you not remember that? that? I didn't know that was oh. a thing. It made it on the Tosh.0. <laughs> oh, jeez. Well, we, we know what Brandon will be Googling tonight. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway. Secretary Clinton, who played a decisive role in the war, declared live on CBS News, we came, we saw, he died. The Libyan government <laughs> dissolved soon after. Oh, boy, it's it's hard to believe she didn't get elected. Right, right. <laughs> in the six years since, Libya has been ro- roiled by chaos and bloodshed. Multiple would be go- multiple would be governments are competing for control of the oil rich country, and ha- in, in some areas there is still no functional central authority. Many thousands of people have died, although the true numbers are impossible to verify. Millions of Libyans have been displaced. A staggering number, nearly one third of the population, had fled to neighboring Tunisia by 2014. Yeah, so. There is a fairness in him saying in Tucker Carlson saying fuck NATO. They they do have a lot of of, of stuff they should be held accountable for. I would argue so does the U.S. We played a role in that so too. So does every yeah. Well, I mean, the presiding role was Secretary Clinton, and I don't know why he didn't just tee off on that. That's yeah. like his number one boogie. Because yeah. one well, of his number this is like top five that's boogie bread and butter, right? If she was running for office right now or in office, he would be. But right now what's happening is Russia and Ukraine is getting talked about, so he's got to tie it in because it, it was NATO. A, it was essentially just like a regime replacement, and they didn't have a plan yeah. to replace It does anybody. kind of feel like they have a wheel of uh, bad I mean, kind of like we have a board of bad guys. Yeah. And when they're like, when they need a story, they're just like, oh, who's the nearest, like Kevin Bacon, seven. Separation, yeah. like who's the closest bad guy we have? Yeah, it's like a, NATO. It's like a, All right, it's like yeah. a fucked up version of the Animaniacs Wheel of Morality. Yeah, they spin yeah. the wheel like uh, Nancy Pelosi does what? <laughs> Insider trading. Uh, Brandon, do you want to take over uh, on this? Uh, yes. Corporate media, however, have largely forgotten about the key role that NATO played in destroying Libya's government, destabilizing the country, and empowering human human traffickers. Moreover, even the few news reports that do acknowledge NATO's complicity in the chaos in Libya do not go a step further and detail the well-documented violent racism of the NATO-backed Libyan rebels who ushered in slavery after ethnically cleansing and committing brutal crimes against black Libyans. In 2017, CNN published an explosive story in mid-November that offered a first-hand look at the slave trade in Libya. The media network obtained terrifying video that shows young African refugees being auctioned 
quote, big strong boys for farm work sold as little as $400. The flashy CNN multimedia report included bonuses galore, two videos, two animated GIFs, two photos, and a chart. But something was missing. The 1,000-word story made no mention of NATO or the 2011 war that destroyed Libya's government or Muammar Gaddafi or any kind of historical and political context whatsoever. Despite these huge flaws, the CNN report was widely celebrated and made in and made an impact in a corporate media apparatus that otherwise cares little about North Africa. A flurry of media reports followed. These stories overwhelmingly spoke of slavery in Libya as a as an apolitical and timeless human rights issue not as a political problem rooted in very recent history. In subsequent stories, when Libya, when Libyan and United Nations officials announced that they would launch an investigation into the slave auctions, CNN again failed to mention the 2011 war, let alone NATO's role in it. Yeah, so it's fair to say, like... I don't really... It's kind of... Kind of a long, like, reach... To say NATO is directly responsible for the slave trade? No, that's arguable, right? Like, yeah, you can say they though, played a role. Considering it's six years later. Now, yeah, but they did play a role in installing and giving aid and support to these racist fighters who went around ethnically cleansing and selling people into I slavery. Mean, you can they all, hold. They I mean they are responsible. Well, for Well, yeah, you can hold them responsible for completely. And, but again, in the same way, destabilizing that a lot of other the region people. because it was a regime regime change campaign that they didn't have. A regime to replace the old one. Like yeah. they didn't have anybody. And they didn't have a puppet regime to replace. And what's truly which, weird is, and that I'm not. I'm. I, I gotta say, I'm not for installing puppet regimes, because that. When has that ever worked? Yeah, we right. That tends to be our and, thing. Like, what are like, we gonna we work like, that doesn't work? Yeah, this, we this like is, to do that. This fails. just goes to show you, like, there's a much more nuanced story happening here of NATO being uh, an organization that, in one instance, helped usher in. Uh, modern slavery and genocide and you know ethnic cleansing but at the other time they're being like ukraine views nato and they certainly could be the solution for nato not or for, for ukraine not being taken over by russia and right. the same fucking thing happening to them yeah like, i mean it's not a clear cut there's a good and bad guy here right we're all like the no matter what country you're pointing to or what organization they all have blame in this yeah i mean in the same way that we'll look back in a couple of years or a few months or however far or whenever there's more stories of the deterioration and be like the united states is responsible for whatever is going whatever happens in afghanistan in 2025 like yes and no afghanistan was always the same whether the united states was there or not but because we went there destabilized the fuck out of it and we we altered the economy and and the government, really, so like so far, to where now it's like it's reverted twenty years. Right. Yeah, and the government like fled, and then we were like, you know what? That's so, like, our cue. Yeah. <laughs> like, they, they they took a twenty year rewind at the drop of a hat. Yeah. So like to the citizens that had, like a, I'm not even gonna say decent because decent's not the word. Like an economy that was semi functional. Mm-hmm. Like it's probably the, the the. the the highest way you can describe it, um, to re- to revert twenty years. Yeah, I don't know. It's terrible. Yeah, um, but we wouldn't sit here. Probably, like, probably should have just not. We wouldn't should have just not back yeah. in the day. Yeah, but like it's it's kind of the same thing because like you can look at the United States and be like, yeah, you did a lot of shitty stuff there. 
in the same way that you can be like, yeah, you also have done some good stuff. Yeah. I mean, it, I'm a hater. But yeah, and that's the thing. Like, like I, I will. I'm not a like. A fan I focus of, on the negative. Not a fan of NATO, but I'm a less a fan of Russia. Like, yeah, fair. Yeah, and, and what they have done on the world stage recently. But let's get back to Tucker and his publicly airing of his grievances. Virginia Congressman Jerry Conley didn't go that far, but close. He called us right wing agitators spewing Russian propaganda into millions of American homes like a virus. And then Congressman Eric Swalwell of California, a man who literally had sex with a Chinese spy, apparently multiple times in very strange ways, agreed with this. <laughs> what the Carrying fuck? Putin's water again, he wrote on Twitter. And then one of Barack Obama's speechwriters accused us of being, quote, on the side of ethno-nationalist authoritarianism. Oh, ethno-nationalism. So if you don't support fighting a war on behalf of all-white Ukraine against all-white Russia, you, my friend, are a racist. And so on. <laughs> and so on. And uh, so on. Ethno-nationalist uh, is not, not the same as a racist, no, but no, way no. to portray yourself as an enemy there. You can, you can be a white person and be ethnically different from another white person. It, the it's fucking very easy balls to do. on this guy to, to make a report where he relies on some fucking uh, Russian stooge to just say a bunch of pro-Putin shit, and then when people call him out we, on it, to vote his next show to how persecuted he can is. Can we send Tucker one of the expertise... <laughs> Once we get the those expert, up on, yeah, up on on uh, we really Patreon, should. he's fucking earned it. Yeah, uh, um, this is what I mean. I actually quit doing research at this point because it just devolves into him making fun of people. Here's the thing, too. Like, and uh, like, I could probably save it to the end of the episode, but it just seems like if you're confident enough in like in the story you put out you shouldn't even have even, to respond not even that if you just act like the other side is dumb as fuck like people will believe you not everybody like, like some some people see through that bullshit but lots of people fucking believe you enough to have the highest rated cable talk show like or news show i mean they come for the voices nobody so, comes for tucker there's <laughs> there's chechnya and dagestan which are currently part of Russia, which shouldn't be part of Russia. And it's the same exact situation that's going on with Ukraine. So Dagestan and Je Dagestan and Chechnya were essentially like exactly what's happening with Ukraine right now, where Russia was like claiming that, Oh, it's, it's ethnically Russian. Enough we're people just going to move Russian back in. And that you used to be a part of us so, hundred years ago. So yeah. So what they did in, in Chechnya and Dagestan is they just, they took it back over and they booted out all of the Chechnyans and the Dagestanis from their homes and moved Russian people into their and homes. And you don't think that's exactly what's going to happen to Ukraine? It's, it's right. going to be or the same exact thing. Crimea, if if they take it over, it's going to be the same For exact Americans thing. For Americans that or are... Gonna, or a third of the people are going to flee because of the fucking bombs this, and you don't even have to you know, displace them. They're already like, displaced. But you, like, you know, we didn't give a damn about Chechnya and Dagestan because... Yeah. Why would we? It's it's that section of Eurasia that the white folks don't care about. For uh, for Americans, the stupid magas who are, are like, Putin's not so bad. This is we're this is being made into a big deal. Like this is essentially uh, Queen Elizabeth being like, take New York back. Like yeah. it used to be ours. You guys all speak English, right? Like, yeah. Nan yeah. That's, Nantucket that not... is mine. <laughs> yeah. Like, what, it, what is going on here? Uh. So what's so interesting here is that there was not a single argument, not a single idea in any of it. These aren't just Twitter trolls. These are people who imagine themselves foreign policy heavyweights, deep thinkers, 
statesmen. But when challenged, all they could muster was name-calling. They went ad hominem immediately because they had nothing else. They're pathetic. All he's done is name-call. Chalupa. Chalupa. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's not childish at all. That's what a respected journalist does when he's talking about hard-hitting news, right? When people have nothing, they resort to name-calling. Wasn't the, one of the first things he said, like, he compared two people and all the idiots in between or something? Didn't Wasn't that, like, the first thing yep. he did when yeah. he brought up Democrats? Yeah. He likes to say things later on that are just really telling if you apply them to him. And you realize that he's yep. deep down just talking about himself and what his he has done to this profession of his. Yeah. Which is ruin it. His entire, every, every bit. Every bite that we have of Tucker Carlson could, I re- I refuse could, could to be let a Freudian him, slip. Yeah. I refuse to let him act like he's just some genuinely old, nice family man from Maine who just wants to go into the woods and hunt and fish with his kids. Like, no, you're a douchebag. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. So yeah. In, in keeping with that, we're going to actually skip this next clip because he just plays a Kamala Harris clip. He tees one up, and it's her talking about the, the situation with Russia and the Ukraine and how perilous it is. And we're just going to go to his rebuttal, like what he comes back with. But the best, the emphasis we place, the value we place on territorial integrity, borders, sovereignty, the right to determine who comes into your country and when. That's the word from Kamala Harris, the lifelong open borders activist. So how should Putin handle this? Well, Putin had a better imagination. Apparently he doesn't. He'd paint the Russian tanks now massed on the Ukrainian border with the slogan, no person is illegal. What would Kamala Harris say to that? On what grounds would she tell Russians who just want a better life with their families in Ukraine that they can't come to Ukraine? That's, that's why military action, you dolt. You know how you know how when you go to another country to get a better life, you know how you drive there in a tank with a bunch right. of other tanks with a, a strategic plan about how you're going to take over and a you place. Know, after, you just start shooting random bystanders with said tank. Yeah, yeah. the only <laughs> after way after having dropped bombs. Like, what Tucker would have you believe is that the caravans coming from Mexico, the illegal immigrants, it's a plot. They're coming here to take over the country. That's the only way that this equivalency makes sense, right? It's, an, yeah. it's a tech. What does he even it's care anyway? Strategic. He lives in the woods in Maine. Yeah, but like <laughs> it's, the only way it makes sense is if you buy into that that core concept. So mm-hmm. he doesn't even have to say it. That's just implicitly understood with his audience that when people come here from other countries, it's an attack to take over it's our country. To take over. It's a takeover from white people. Yeah. 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 That I mean, that he is, is a fucking the, racist. You know, yeah. just, just like he needs to reread the definition of terrorism, he also needs to reread the definition of what is and is yeah. not a hostile. Like and it's intent. also just a really lame joke. Oh, they should no person's illegal. What would she say about that? She'd say it's a fucking tank, Tucker. What are you talking about? Yeah. How do you not understand the people who are walking on foot with no water through a desert yeah. versus people who are in tanks? She has problems with tanks in the streets of Chicago's for like for fucking police brutality shit too. Yeah. When I guarantee like, you, if Mexicans the come tank across is the, the problem, Tucker. Yeah. If they were, if they were <laughs> like, coming across the Mexican border, the Mexican Texas border kind of in fundamental. a tank, <laughs> yeah. we're, we're missing the fundamental point yeah. here. <laughs> if it's a fucking Sherman, man, that's the the, the issue. <laughs> <laughs> the, the shittiest tank in history. Oh, poor Sherman. All right, the little, um, the little tank engine that could. We only got three <laughs> clips left, and they're just, uh, they're too good to like, he just, he's a petty asshole. If the Russians just quoted Emma Lazarus, Kamala Harris would have to back off and support them and their voting rights in Ukraine. But unfortunately for them, the Russians are just too literal for this. When they invade a country, they just go ahead and call it an invasion. But you still have to wonder, invasion or not, why is any of this a profound concern of ours? Why would you even consider risking American lives or sending billions of dollars to stop it? 
There are multiple borders wars underway around the world. There are multiple just on the continent of Africa right now. There always have been. Many are dying in those wars. And yet Kamala Harris is not agitating for American troops to Congo. How come? We can only speculate about that. You've been speculating the no, entire, entire fucking episode. episode. <laughs> like, this holy could be shit. called speculating with Tucker maybe, Carlson. Maybe yeah. just maybe it has something to do with geopolitical powers. Yeah, dude. maybe it's the fact that like, hey, those the, it sucks that those countries are taking over and the borders aren't secure and like and they're being like f killed and pushed out of their homeland. But those countries taking over don't represent a huge threat on the world stage like Russia does. Right. Like. It, they're one of the three superpowers right now, like Russia, China, like, and like us. I beg your forgiveness that a landlocked country in Central Africa isn't like you know gonna cause some ruckus yeah. on our and turf. Also, soon. that it's it's stupid to say that she doesn't care about that. You can't say that just because she didn't bring it up in that clip. Because when she's talking about Russia and Ukraine, she doesn't zigzag all the way to fucking Africa and Liberia like you do. She can stay on topic. Yeah, and I hate this idea. Like, well. If, if something is bad in Africa, why are we trying to fix something that's bad in Russia? Why don't we just not fix anything? I hate that he can't be everywhere at once, Tucker. Yeah, that's I hate that he's using, he's trying to tie it into the immigration argument, which is not. It's like, not, probably it's, also the only time that Fox, anybody on Fox, will ever like try to be like, well, what about this going on in Africa? <laughs> yeah, no shit. You, if you're Tucker and you believe that, like, like, why would they want to do it then if there's nothing in it for Americans? Because he seems to believe that there's no reason why America would ever want to defend the Ukraine or stop the spread of Putin. They just want to hurt Americans, right? That must be what it is. They just must, must hate America. They must be un-American. Uh, but royalties. So. <laughs> what we do know is that the administration's Russia policy would only make sense if your goal was to gravely hurt the United States of America. Already, we have spent nearly $4 billion in aid to Ukraine over the last few years, much of it for weapons. The point of this is to tweak Russia and, if necessary, to kill Russians. Our elites feel very superior about this morally. They brag about it constantly. So it's an up. It's a win for them. But what about the cost to the rest of us and to our country? China is the preeminent threat to the United States. Nothing comes close to the threat that China poses. Here's the truth. The U.S. military, impressive as it is, is not big enough to engage meaningfully simultaneously in Europe and in Asia. Can't do both at the same time. So our attention to Ukraine, by definition, detracts from our attention to China. Why do you think we have NATO? Um, also, <laughs> also, like, I won't argue we have a smaller military now than we did, but like to say like we can't fight in Europe and Asia, World War II. We fucking did it, and we won. Yeah. Like, how do you, like, we, we, and we, were, is, we were way mm. late to the party in both world wars. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and our side won. I love this. Also, it's just him, like, bringing up anything besides Russia. What about China? We should be focusing on that. That They're not invading right now. Right. When they take over Taiwan, we'll talk. Yeah. That, that was the, that was the entire thought that I, like, the whole thought process that I had through that is like, yeah, but it's not the same because, like, you can say that. Uh, economically or like whatever geopolitically China is a threat and I won't disagree with you on some points I will on other points because I think the, the right takes it way too far they make a boogeyman they always yeah, have yeah, communism always, has been their right. like um, their go to at the same time like they're not invading somewhere so right now there's that, a lot of bad a, shit going on in China and yeah. like 
Grant Tucker, if you want to devote an episode to what they're doing to like people who are trying to like vote and what like there's a you know you can do that, man. Well, you don't if he have had to, any goddamn like journalistic integrity, yeah. He but would, he only he he's only interested that. in China when it's distracting from it's the boogie, Rush, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But we're going to let uh, Tucker Carlson get into his uh, fear porn. That's pretty much all it is. Fear porn. Yeah, bringing it back. <laughs> but worse and more dangerous than that, more dangerous than anything, it drives the Russians into an alliance of convenience of necessity with the Chinese government. So here you have our two biggest rivals united. United not simply against our military, but against our currency. When the U.S. dollar is displaced as the world's reserve currency... And when that happens, this country will become poor overnight. This, what you're watching now, will be one of the reasons why it happened. So it's hard to imagine anything more significant or destructive than what these people are doing right now. It's not just about Ukraine. It's about our future. Hey, Sean Hannity here. Hey, click here to subscribe to Fox News' YouTube page and catch our hottest interviews and most compelling analysis. You will not get it anywhere else. <laughs> I had to leave that in there. I thought it was so funny. Just a, that just that a little... threw me off. <laughs> <laughs> like a little, all peppy. a little cameo from our favorite friend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, apparently uh, the moment the dollar is not the preeminent currency, the reserve in, in the world, we're all going to be poor overnight. I would argue to most of us who are currently living under the poverty <laughs> line, that doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. It well, not only, only matters, that, but like, like dude, there. come on. How much of our debt does China own? Yeah. Like, like uh, let's be realistic here. Let's be realistic. It's really only going to affect people but also, like Tucker. He's going to lose wealth. He's going to lose shit. Yeah. As of today, China has put sanctions on Russia. So, so where'd that ally come in, and, Tucker? Hey, yeah, know, I would argue. Man. Like he your, was your little, little prediction just aged like milk. <laughs> yeah, I would argue. I would argue Tucker Carlson. Um, the man probably were used to the finer things in life being a multi-millionaire. Yeah. Is not like we are all used to shitty Chinese knockoff products. We've been using them our whole lives. Right. So the moment they take over the United States, we're going to be kind of at home. Right. <laughs> yeah, like, right. is that is it that different? We're getting paid not a lot of money. Yeah. Right. The, the products are shit. Yeah. But they're seven bucks. At so least they're made in our country at that point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah so I that, keep saying the guillotine, like industry is untapped <laughs> like so that's it for tucker uh i just wanted to do a quick update because i everything he says about the ukraine and russia is extremely simplified and almost always misinforming like, you to some extent is mm. his audience just getting further and further to the right because like, he's pushing them the further first thing further he did right correct me if i'm wrong but it was like either the first or the second clip in this episode he he just he he took a dump on Dan Crenshaw, who is yeah pretty far right of center. Yeah, 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 he is. And he compared him to Adam Schiff and said they're essentially the same person, which is like only if you are so fucking far right, yeah, that everyone looks to you like a communist. So like, are we seeing a, a soon to be cancellation of Tucker Carlson? I don't think because, so. Well, just like this is my thought here, because they 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 canceled. Our our last subject, the uh, what what was the title of his show supposed to be? The uh, the COVID contrarian. Oh, the co- yeah. yeah. They canceled him for being too extreme. 
So Tucker has already surpassed the like the level of Dan Crenshaw. Yeah, but here's his target market. Yeah, but here's the thing: the like the difference between who who was gonna get the was it, it was it Robert Malone who was gonna get that show? No, no, it was no. the guy Robert Malone was talking about whose name escapes me at the moment. I yeah. gotcha. But that guy wasn't as influential. It wasn't he didn't pull as many ratings as Tucker Carlson did. I I think the opposite. I don't think that they that. Fox cancels like maybe if Tucker is ever not as extreme as like the MAGA people the red hats can we just call them red hats it's like brown shirts same fucking thing yeah um if uh if Tucker ever becomes less extreme than the red hats then yeah they might cancel him but Fox won't because Fox wants money and Fox is dwindling though I hope you're right I don't know. It's, but, it's hard to gauge. Yeah, but remember in 2016 when we didn't believe that the Red Hats were there because like, all of us, everyone on both sides was like Hillary Clinton, as dislikable as she is, is going to win this fucking election because a lot of the Red Hats didn't say they were Red Hats. And like, it's not popular to be Red Hat right now. Yeah, well, and right, it was still right very close. He didn't win popular. by a blowout. Like, that's that's their like swinging dick competition. It's yeah, like, but the rest of us, I got three us, red hats. You got only got two. Yeah, but the rest of us are shitting on it pretty hard because like now we have a track record. Like, <laughs> like every time a journalist goes or like a a, a TV uh, journalist goes to interview somebody at the end of a NASCAR race when they're going to sign the finish line, and the the guy asks him, he goes, "What are you going to sign the finish line with? What do you think I'm going to sign it with? Fuck Joe Biden." And the guy's like, <laughs> "Let's <"Whoa!"> go, Brandon." <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. Like, Stupid. why would you even interview that guy? But come on. Yeah. yeah. Why would you interview anybody at a NASCAR race? Like, come on. It's like unless just, like, they're gonna have something. It's like an over under on how many teeth yeah. he has in his head. It, it's it, yeah. It's either that guy or Ashton Kutcher. Like, come on. There's, <laughs> you know what time it is? Hey Shapiro, bring in the board. I'm not gonna put him on the floor. Put them all on the board. Put it on the board. Put it on the board. We have to stare at this thing all day long. It might as well look funny. You can put it on the board. Yeah. I love that that's like a 70s cap theme. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, like giant Magnum PI mustache. Yeah, 100%. Um, all right. So, like, this one's easy, right? Yeah, we've already we've already rated him before, right? Yeah, but we rate based on the subject matter now, what, in the episode. Where was he at? Uh, treasonous and fraud. Yeah, this is fascist. This is definitely fascist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. This, this is not. There, like, there's no You're doubt about that. You're literally defending and deflecting from fascists. Yeah, um, the, the, I I don't even feel like this might be the only time that like no justification is necessary. Like we just talked about it for an hour and a half. Yeah, <laughs> like, ad nauseum, guys. Yeah, he's fascist <laughs> as fuck. Wait, why do you the say he's a fascist? He's a fascist. Do you, do you realize how Do you realize how offensive that is? I think he's a fascist. Why? Because he is. Okay. All right. So, okay, we've got a a fascist. All right. So, yeah, that was easy. Fascist as shit. Um, All right. So that will bring us to the end of another episode. Uh, Thanks, Frank, for for prepping this and hosting this again. I appreciate it. Um, it, I I always like it when I don't have to do the heavy lifting, so it's it's good. It's nice. Um, I'm excited for next week's, too. Jim, we haven't told you, I don't think yet, who the subject is going to be, but we have told you who we're going to talk about. 
we have not told you what we're going to talk about. Um, and I think you're going to... You I just want to yeah. leave it as I'm a gonna, cold? I'm going to leave it as cold until we right. start the next episode. Um, I think that you're going to enjoy it, though. And I think you and I are going to get way madder than Frank for the entire <laughs> fucking episode, yeah. but for totally different reasons. Like, it, it'll be a fun one. So, um, all right. So that'll bring us to the end of another episode. We will be back. But before we go, Jim, can you please tell the listeners how they can find us? I sure can. We have a Facebook page. You can be found on Twitter at Real Un-American. Awesome. Thank you, Jim. And Franklin, can you please tell the good listeners, the good folks back there at home, how they can uh, support the show? Uh, you can follow us, like, subscribe, share, and or review. Episodes are available as soon as we can get them out. And, of course, bonus content is available over at patreon.com forward slash unamerican. So go check that out. And, as always, we appreciate your support. We do very much. Thank you both, and thank you to our listeners. We will return soon. But before we go, our dishonorable mentions for this week are James Bush of Florida. I'm sorry, James Bush the Third of Florida, Eric Grawl of Florida, Robert Brannon the Third of Florida, Greg Abbott of Texas, and uh, our homegirl. She's not yet, but we'll probably sometime in the future make her our homegirl, uh, Tulsi Gabbard the Third. The, the Third. <laughs> Modern. <laughs> Day Benedict Arnold. Yes, of Hawaii. So uh, with that, um, that's it for us. And your homework as our as our listeners is to like just don't be a fucking fascist. How hard is that? Un American is a fever heart production. It is hosted by Brandon Condict, Franklin Everhart, and Jim Hillman. If you like the show, please subscribe and leave a review. Contact us at unamericanpod at yahoo.com. And be sure to support us on Patreon for exclusive bonus content. Y'all done up and done it.